You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another special episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And we are taking a look again at (laughs) Doctor Who, Web of Fear. This time we're going to be looking just at episode three. Now, long-time listeners might just be able to rattle off the statistics off the top of their head that on February 29th, 2016, episode 250, we looked at Web of Fear, which had recently been recovered uh, from the lost uh, wilderness of lost Doctor Who episodes. And at that time, episode three was uh, not recovered, and uh, they put out a recreation from screenshots. So now... They have animated episode three, re-released it on Blu-ray, and we have just watched it, and we're going to give you our thoughts just on the animation since we've already talked about Web of Fear as a TV series. So, what are your what are your first thoughts, Simon? I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Well, I am. <clears throat> I'm definitely glad to have it back in the archive, as we say. Uh, in, in whatever form we can, I, as we've said every last time, any criticisms that may follow are from a place of love. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm really, I'm, I'm quite interested to, I, I have a sense that we're not going to agree about the animation here. And partly my sense is due to the fact that I have seen a fair amount of criticism of the style of the animation. And it's fair to say it's quite a different style of animation. And I really like it. So okay. I'm interested in what those criticisms might be because I would be really happy to see this this animation used for, for example, animating the, the Abominable Snowmen and, mm. you know, possibly other episodes. But I, I wonder, given the reception that this has had, whether that may be put in jeopardy. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. I know that you're kind of on the road. How did you watch it? I mean, did you watch it on your phone, on a TV? Uh, I, I watched it on a, on a laptop screen, 13-inch laptop screen. 13-inch laptop screen, okay. Yeah. I did yeah. watch it on the big screen uh, in, uh-huh. in my house, so I don't know if that makes any difference. And I have not heard any criticisms or any comments on this online at all. So what what so did I, I you mean, make I'm, of the animation? What what was your what was your overall feeling about what was good and what was less good? Uh I am having a hard time thinking of one that I thought was worse. Um maybe the Ice Warriors because but, but what, of the what pin did, the what, deal. Okay. What uh, didn't work about off, the animation? First off, I thought the the artwork was very, very crude. The faces were not particularly great. <sighs> well, we'll start with that. For example, Lethbridge Stewart, I could barely tell him apart from staff if they weren't wearing different hats. They're they're just not 
Remember, we talked about like uh, in uh, the one in the airport, the trout and one in the airport. <laughs> the faceless ones. Faceless ones. There it is. I kept thinking the invisible ones, and I knew that wasn't it. The faceless ones. That we could identify every actor from their animation faces. That would not be true in this one, I don't think. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to recognize. Obviously, the doctor and and Jamie and Victoria, just because costumes and context and and the brigadier was no problem because I knew it was the brigadier but you know the others nah not not good enough and they're I'm, I'm just launching straight into the I couldn't think of anything good about it except that we have it and which I'm again a hundred percent in favor of and I would absolutely plunk down my money and have and I'm not complaining about plunking down my money and having it to to have it but I I don't know their arms are all over the place they're they're they can't stand still in a natural way they're constantly kind of weaving in and out in strange in strange ways even when they're just standing there uh, Anne Travers looks positively evil. The, the artwork on her face is... Um, and and let's face it, Jamie is not a hunchback when he walks. And Victoria didn't reach the 1970s by aging there from from the Victorian era. So there's no excuse for her walking like a hundred-year-old woman. Which she does. When that scene, when they all leave the room to head off to the to the dynamite store. I mean, it's, she might as well have a walker. It's like, it's like, wow, that just looks bad. And they just, they leapt out at me and I'm reasonably forgiving. I think of, of the animation, but you know, in, in the same way that the ice warriors kind of rubbed me wrong when their arms were like pin the tail on the donkey at the joints, this just didn't work. Um, best part was the Yeti and they of course were CGI so I think those are my criticisms I mean that it's just not not the choice I'd make but I assume that it's because it's cheap fast and dirty that it came out this way because yeah one episode they're probably whipping it off the back of something else I'm I'm I'm, I'm certainly interested. This is the kind of thing we can only speculate about in terms of the the what what goes into these animations because we've seen a progression over really quite a number of years now. When was it that Invasion first came out? I mean, the animated Invasion that was about fifteen years ago, something like that. So we've been yeah, seeing these been for a, for a long time. I still think in you know in artistic terms. There is something about that that almost none of the other animations have touched. And obviously, in some ways, that's down to the fact that they had a lot of money to spend on that one. Great. Um, but also, in the intervening period, technology has moved on in various ways. So they've, you know, the, the series kind of hit the buffers because it was too expensive. But then the progress that was made, as well as the, you know, the kind of new markets that they managed to tap enabled them to carry on making more for less and 
so that's that 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 you know it, in the background there have been these things about constraints but in the in the actual animations that have hit the screen we have seen things that have improved in some and mm -hmm. i i think in others have taken a a turn for the worse i mean i i agreed with you about criticisms of the the ice warriors but i also think a lot of it is quite subjective and mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's really interesting, especially when I, I've had a kind of very strong reaction to to this animation. It's why I'm interested in the things that you do and don't like about it, because I, I, I'm interested in whether I'm seeing different things or whether I have different priorities in terms of what I want to see in the animation. I've, I've, I've kind of been thinking about what makes a satisfying animation of a Doctor Who story for me, because obviously mm. it's a really weird thing to do. You're reconstructing the visuals for a, for a missing story. And I've, I've quite liked the artwork on some of the ones that are a bit flashy. Again, you know, the reaction I had to Reign of Terror is pretty much at odds with almost everyone else I've <laughs> seen say anything about it or talk to about it. Um, I, for the record, I really like the Reign of Terror, but it, you know, it's kind of a slightly anime stylized approach was quite different from the requirements yeah. of producing something that sort of didn't didn't jar you away from the style of the the story. And 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 particularly when we've been getting whole serials produced, I feel like, well, in that case, there is scope to take a few liberties and do something a bit more adventurous and. I think in some ways that's where the faceless one scored a bit because you know that that particular team who have been animating things like Power of the Dalek and Power of the Daleks and Macro Terror, I thought did a you know they with, with that they it, it felt like the the kind of processes that they had been involved in were were maturing. With this one, we're we're seeing the other the other team who work on these these days the the, the big big finished creative outfit, um, albeit that they seem to get their animation done by a different outfit somewhere in the world, each thing. So this is so different <laughs> from Fury from the Deep, for example, which is very two-dimensional. Yep. So Yeah, they, they've kind of tried to go for a three-dimensional look here in the two-dimensional animation. It is... No, it's... No, it's I mean, it's interesting that you think that, but it's actually... It's a two-dimensional look in the three D animation that they've gone for. They're trying to they're trying to create a two-dimensional look, and it, and the 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 uh, there I, I mean you haven't had a chance to look through the the cover notes. Um, mm, no, you know as, as as we record it, the Blu-ray has literally come out. But Gary Russell in that talks about the fact that they are taking a slightly different approach because they're only. And again, it's an interesting decision because it's at odds with everything else they've released recently, but they are only animating one episode in the six. And so the experience for the typical viewer is going to be, well, I mean, every viewer, in fact, is going to be, they're watching live action, live action, animation, live action again. And so they wanted to adopt a style that felt less jarring in those terms. It's interesting whether that has been successful no <laughs> i i i, I, I not so. well obviously not um but in a way i feel it has because 
to to me, what what what's good about this animation is not so much the artistic side of it, even though that's something I've appreciated before. I agree with you that I don't think the faces are particularly well developed. I don't dislike the drawings, but they're not especially sophisticated. I would disagree about them being recognisable. I didn't really have any difficulty knowing who was who. Well, but okay, but slightly slight different here is that technically speaking, you and I have both seen five episodes of not maybe recently, but we've seen all five episodes other existing episodes so i do actually know what all the actors look like when i went into the faceless ones never having seen it rarely ever having seen any stills from it never having looked at a cast list and it's like oh i know that actor oh i you know the same reaction i probably would have had watching it live it's like oh i recognize but i didn't know they were there these people i knew they were there i I know what ann travers looks like and that isn't it. And I don't think if somebody stuck just that drawing of that actress in front of me and said, who is this? I would not look at that and go, oh, well, that's Ann Travers from Web of Fear. I, you know, I'm, not, the I'm doctor, not sure I would, but I'm not sure I would say Tina Packer. They've got the best likeness of if you were to show me their animation of Jack Watling, I would know that, you know, that if, you know, if all I'd seen was episode one. Um, as mm. had been the case a few years ago. Yeah, I think he's very recognisable. I think... But much of his face are, is uh, covered by the beard. I think the others are somewhere on a kind of spectrum in between. But I th- I, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a subjective thing. I, I, I found that they, they kind of sketched in what they needed to do to make it identifiable who they were. But I didn't think that it had as much of the kind of the kind of facial expressiveness of some of the other ones. And I thought that would bother me a bit, but it really, really doesn't. And the reason is to do with your your other criticisms around, you know, the arms and the not standing still and all this kind of stuff. And it's because I think they have progressed with this motion capture stuff so that they no longer have people just immobile when they're not actually speaking because they only you know in the in the faceless ones there are only so many kind of movements that an avatar can do and if you you know if you have them do them when they're not in the they're not the focus of the scene that's a distraction whereas this is much more like um you can actually use the 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 body language that they've got because there is so much more movement possible to describe are you saying this is motion capture Yes. Ugh. That, in a way, that's kind of worse. What I would agree with is I think that, that particularly at the start of the episode, and I don't know whether this is actually because it's, there's more of it at the start of the episode or it's because it takes you a while. Because, I, I mean, I've watched the episode twice, once with the, the, the black and white version, which incidentally I suspect is, I don't know which one you, you, you watched. Colour, Or whether course. you watched them both. The I think the black and white one is easier to recognise people because it's it it's the one that is it's the primary episode that is designed to fit with the rest of the serial. Once again, they and and we've discussed how they, this has switched around over different Blu-ray releases, but they have put the black and white episode on disc one along with the other surviving episodes. Essentially, then an extra because it's supplied on on disc two, um, and incidentally again. The episode is created 
to be seen in 4.3, um, but it is available as a, a widescreen version in colour in the on the bonus disc. Mm. Um, but I, so... but, I, but I, I think I think there's a lot more waving around of the arms at the beginning of the episode. I think it goes OTT. It's almost like they are a bit overexcited about what's possible and they use it too much. And then so I mean, down. if this is motion capture, then then that does alter my criticism. For starters, the actors stunk who are doing the body work. <laughs> that maybe that's part of it. Maybe they were they were not Andy Circus or is that how we pronounce it? Um, who does you know all the Peter Jackson stuff and the Ring and Gollum and King Kong and all that stuff? Who who knows how to work a motion capture rig? Because none of those motions looked natural. And I mean, that is the, the promise of motion capture is that you can get a, a, a fluid. And of course, that has to be projected. In other words, the computer has to be doing the animation then instead of a human tweening it and whatnot. Or, you know, so I mean, th- well, this no, raises no. tons of questions in my mind if this is motion capture. Uh, but, you know, if, if it is, then like the guy at the beginning who was doing Jamie that that just is not the way you point your arms shoot at the pyramid arm down arm up move over there wave that do this it's like that just didn't look like a human was doing that it 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 it's interesting i mean i think i think this whole thing starts to get really really interesting because i mean for one thing the actors have to understand what the limitations are of the way in which the avatars can move and obviously you know, there will be animators who are mapping the the, the, the motion onto the actual um, computer models, and so the actors the actors' performances aren't necessarily the the final thing in terms of this. But it kind of shifts where this whole thing is is going in terms of the extent to which there are new performances being brought in as part of these recreations mm-hmm. it, there's always there's always a way in which this is a new production right even if you you know you take the the tele snaps and there are artistic choices about being made about which tele snap is shown at which time in order to try and help you make sense of the story and even you know you described the the, the reconstruction of episode three in tele snaps as being an animation because it had a crossfade in it switch um, yes a crossfade in it yeah because yeah we've both been uh, revisiting what we said about this in episode 250 uh, i i i think that um this, this whole thing has gone you know when you've got a limited number of facial expressions that's almost like an extension of you know choosing which particular tele snap you show on the screen right it's it's kind of like well this is the appropriate one now this is the appropriate one now and obviously, that's the artistic choices getting made are growing exponentially as you have lots of other options in terms of positioning your characters and the and the different um, gestures that you can make, even in the most simplistic, like the Ice Warriors or whatever. But when we're getting into these performances, and I feel like, I mean, the thing I like about this is that there is all this expression available in terms of the character's reaction through their body language. You can you could not just see extra dimensions to what the person who is speaking which is obviously the surviving part of the the original performance 
you not only get additional dimensions to that through the body language of that character, but you also get the 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 reactions of the other characters through the body language that is being expressed there. And I think much more so than simply from the facial expressions that we have had before. And so the choices that you are making there, there's much more scope for you to reinterpret the episode. We don't know how those performances appeared exactly on screen. New choices are being made that can affect how we interpret that. And I mean, I think that's very interesting. I think that's also, it, op- it opens up different possibilities in terms of how we as an audience respond to that. Like you thinking that these, these performances, you, you dislike the performances in terms of the, the reanimation, not necessarily the original performances in terms of the actors whose work they are building on, which is absolutely mm. fascinating. <clears throat> well, I mean, again, it, it does really, it's opening up a whole thought process here in my head as i said i felt like they were trying to go for a more three-dimensional look and i'm not saying that the 2d animation was meant to look three-dimensional but that the way they would point and move their bodies particularly the arms and this may have something to do with the reason why it looks so weird because it's 2d animation but it is going into more more positions than we got with, say, Screaming Victoria. Fury from the Deep. Fury from the, the Deep. There we go. Yeah, the last big finish series. So, because that was, you know, more traditional 2D kind of Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. This has, you know, Jamie pointing off at 45 degrees. And that's what gives it that sort of, you're trying to go for a more 3D look. Well, no, just, 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 just again, just to just to be clear about this, this is not going for 3D look. This is actual 3D animation. They're aiming to have a 2D look, which clearly they're achieving. Um, but it but it is all based on 3D models. So right, with, that's what, with I'm, all that's the what advantages I'm saying. That brings. But 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 my point is, when they don't do that in the 2D animation, it definitely looks like we're planing in two dimensions. When I'm looking at this animation, it looks flat, except that the motions they're making are not flat motions. And and those don't look natural. That's probably why the arms look all terrible to me, is because it's not working. I mean, it, it's doing what they're it's doing what they're doing, but it's not working. And the other thing that really raises this question in my mind uh, that this is raising is if you're doing it this way, if you're doing the motion capture, which I haven't got a, like I said, I haven't got a problem with. I don't want to compare it to huge, 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 big budget movies like Lord of the Rings or, or King Kong or even and, Shin and Godzilla it, or whatever. But, but and, nonetheless, and it's not intended you know, to be the same as those. It's not intended to be something where you could mix the animation they're producing with live action. But you can do amazing things with that. You can do amazing thing with that facial expressions and everything else if you if you want to get down to that level of resolution. So the you know the the technolo- technology is here, and you can see the performance. Now that's that's my point. You can see the performance in King Kong. Terrible movie, by the way. Terrible, terrible movie. But you can see the performance of the actor in the face because of the way they do the motion capture. Well. A lot of cases, this is not going to be a problem. But with Patrick Troughton, this is going to be a problem. Because whoever is doing the motion capture for him hasn't got his physicality. He, 
you know, no at one, best, no he's going to be aping them. No one. No, I, I, there was just weird aside, uh, years, I want to make sure I'm clarifying this, years before I was married, I had this, uh, I had this girlfriend, and years after we uh, broke up, I was somewhere, and I saw a person walking and the top of their body was obscured and they were 40 feet away from me walking toward me and I saw those legs and I said wow that person walks exactly like uh. and then around the corner there she came and it really drove home to me just how much you can identify with the way a person moves and yes and I, and I, Troughton is Troughton, he has a very, very distinct way. I don't know if I'd notice Jamie or Victoria differently or, <clears throat> you know, Chorley or any of those people. I'd, I'd notice a difference in performance. But Troughton, I would. And luckily, he doesn't do much in this episode. He, he's not moving around a lot. So, but yeah, I could see how that might fail in a longer Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, and I, and I, agree, I agree with you. I agree with you entirely. And I do not want to see any of these episodes recreated in that kind of fully realistic way. So, to, you, I mean, we've seen it in... Even in the not realistic way like they've done here. Yeah, no, I, 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 I prefer it not to be realistic for precisely, for precisely that reason. So if you, if you think about, um, I don't know, I, I, I was particularly struck by uh, in Rogue One, where they get a couple of, of uh, actors... Oh, right, like, right. Um, Peter Cushing or Carrie Fisher, who are no longer with us, and but that but they recreate their performances in a way that mixes with the live action, the live action stuff because the te- you know the technology is up to that point. I don't want to see them doing that with you know Web of Fear episode three or whatever. I don't I don't want to see a a recreated version that is intended to fool the audience into thinking that is what is being shown, which is why I think. There is a very subjective sweet spot that lies somewhere in between when I guess, I guess I guess at one end the kind of the kind of photo snap reconstruction is is the, the the most basic thing of it. And it just gives you certain visual clues to help you understand the audio that you're listening to. And we talked a little bit actually in in, in our previous discussion, which was focused on the particular uh, reconstruction of episode three in this. Well, it was focused on the whole thing, but we did talk a little bit about episode three and the way in which they used within the reconstruction the film they had from the end of episode two in the cliffhanger, um, mm-hmm. be- because they repeat that at the beginning of episode three. So the film existed, they played that, and then they went into the telly snaps. And we both felt that was a that was a choice that didn't serve. Um, the episode it made it harder to appreciate <laughs> the episode because you need a slightly different mindset in order to watch something that is produced in a different form and in the case of the telesnap reconstruction of episode three of the web of fear it is basically listening to the audio with you know a little bit of of visual help you know the 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 telesnaps and in one case an actual on-screen caption in order to explain what is going on on screen and I think in the, uh, you know, the Web of Fear has a particularly, it has a particularly easy to understand soundtrack. There's very little in there that actually yeah. needs description. And so that, 
you know, that in a way makes it not a particularly fair comparison. But in some of the episodes where they are they are soundtracks from stories that have been intended to be watched with the visuals. It's a bit like uh, watching something through a kind of foggy window or something. You, it feels like you're you're mostly following the story, but then there's something that you can't quite make out. Or it's like it's like when your your broadband connection is laggy and things freeze, and it's like you know something is going on. You can hear it, but the the person that you're watching is frozen. And mm-hmm. I still feel like that is the case in watching Fury from the Deeps. There are bits of it where it just feels like the animation, they, they kind of cover it broadly, but it doesn't necessarily show you exactly what's going on in some of the kind of less, I'm not talking about the major story beat, big plot points. I'm talking about some of the, the, the kind of smaller details. And it felt, mm-hmm. it, 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 it kind of felt to me like, for me, this one struck a good balance between showing me exactly what was going on in each screen in terms of the story. Like I say, it may not be a fair test because so much is already there in the audio. And at the same time, not feeling like it was pretending to be anything more than it is, which is a drawn version of something that is lost and not even, a, not even my favourite in terms of the, the quality of the artwork but just in terms of being able to follow the story. Once I got past the kind of overly wavy arms, I just (laughs) got lost in watching it. And I feel like that's a bit of a treat. And that's why I feel like I would like to see the Abominable Snowman recreated like like this, because I get lost in in that story. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind if they redid the Ice Warriors, but hey. I I would be happy if they could do this with better artwork. And I think you know, maybe up the resolution on their, up their game on their motion capture. Um, cause it, so, again, I, I mentioned it my thing, but it, it comes back when you, you throw in the idea that this has got some motion capture behind it. It explains why, when they're all standing around in a room, everyone looks drunk. Because I'm guessing that they're all supposed to be standing there listening to someone, and in real life, you would not be weaving around like a drunk man. But I can see the director going, whoa, 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 whoa. If you're not moving, we don't see anything. So So move, people, move. And then so they all exaggerate there. I'm standing here and I'm, but I'm, you know, I'm doing this and I'm kind of moving my shoulders a little bit. And we left and right. And it's it's just like they they look drunk. There's a grain of Uh, truth in in what you're saying. But I, I think the converse of that is that it's, it's not what you do in real life to just stand there with your arms locked at your sides, completely motionless while someone else is speaking. But more so, motionless than these people are doing. I, oh, I agree. I, and I, I, think, I think you've put your finger on it. I think that there is a sense in which there, there needs to be a certain amount of motion registered in order for it to actually display visually on screen. And there's a judgment to make about that. It's, it, it's, got, it's got to be larger than life but i don't think it needs to be this much larger than life and maybe that will settle down if they continue to use uh, this technique and and um they continue to use shapeshifter animation i can hear the director we're paying you people to move now move <laughs> just uh, what they should do is they should hire tv actors instead of theater actors to do the body work perhaps 
Well, I, maybe, I, I, maybe that's. I, 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 I can't. I can't tell you. Or interns at the uh, at the studio. <laughs> I can't tell you who who the actors who the actors were, or if they were actors. But one thing one one thing I can tell you, because you haven't had the the uh, opportunity. Like I say, we've you know we this has only just come out. We haven't had much time to to digest everything. But literally before we before we started here, I took a quick look at a a short. Um, piece on the disc, which is an interview with David Devjack, who uh, at Shapeshifter Animation, so who was who was um, doing the the animation for Big Finish Creative, and that's how I know about the motion capture. But I, there was something else he said that I thought you might be interested in because it's something we've touched on before. So I I, I actually noted down exactly what he said. So he he said we've heard for years there are episodes that are impossible to produce. And then he goes on and he says, we've been developing this, meaning the shapeshifter animation process, to make sure we can deal with a large number of characters and produce assets that are reusable across a large number of sets. And I think that's Mm. a direct reference to to, to the interviews in which Charles Norton has been asked about serials like Marco Polo and the Crusades and the Highlanders, where he said, you know, these are just these are just beyond what we can do in terms of animation. And I, I, I think he's making a very specific pitch here to say, actually, using this technique, these are now within our reach. I, again, I, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about this animation style it, 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 at all. It, it, it definitely is at the bottom of the pile for me. But I will go and sit on record right now and say that if this is what it takes for them to do the back catalog, I'm on board a hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not going, well, this is just not good enough. Throw it away. <clears throat> this is better than anything else they've got in terms of, you know, non-animated, uh, approaches. Um, so uh, cool. About time that they got to the point where they could do that. I just wish they'd up their game on their, yeah, so it's going to be well, three things. If this is the first try on it, then they can do better with the drawings of the faces. That's just hiring a different character <clears throat> person well, to do it, I'm, or upping upping the CPU processor that they have to control it, and then you know no, no, be, get the, the actors this, better at this. This is, <laughs> this is a this is another very specific advantage of the process because that because they're doing three D animation instead of two D animation, which is that if they want to change the drawings in any way. If if you do two D animations, you draw it and then you start animating it. And if you want to change any drawings, God, it's a nightmare to unpick it. If you are doing it three dimensional and you want to re change any of the drawings, you can do that right up to the point where you hit the render button. Right, but it still starts with some base artwork that they're working around that, and that. Well, no, it, no, it, it starts with the three D models. Well, okay, no, that's I the mean, base artwork. <laughs> Okay, that's still the base artwork. Yeah, yeah. But the, at, at some point, I'm, I'm not just I'm not distinguishing between two and three dimension here. I'm talking about somebody creatively went in and created Patrick Troughton and Anne Travers in some way, and then that is being translated. And somewhere along that process, whether it's the base art or whether it's the translation, it's not good enough 
and can be refined and given time i'm sure that they can so i mean again fine this is great one one episode get it out the door see if it works it works it's got some issues but next time do better get the actors to do more natural understand that um perhaps perhaps understand when you're staging it how maybe they shouldn't move in certain ways to that that produce strange akimbo looks uh so you know great go do it i mean it's it's a learning process they i I haven't got any problem with them pursuing this i think they could you know here are the places to to look at improving it i well i mean i'm i'm kind of i'm in in the same boat in every respect except that i actually really liked this animation in relation to the other animations these that we've seen this is at the top of the pile and i also think there is scope for improvement within this and i'm hugely excited about you know that statement that i just heard suggesting that we could get some of these serials that i've been thinking are off limits at least for the next few years so that is that's why you know i started out with this saying i am super super excited and i i'm i'm still i mean it may be 95 percent wishful thinking but i just can't quite believe that they haven't been planning to do the abominable snowman as their next project because there is reusable stuff in this mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah well i mean and the yetis themselves look fine and they've, yeah. they've gone with that they've kind got, of... They've got Mark that Yetis, like, uh, they've got Jack Travers, um, and obviously... They have Mark, they have Mark the II Yetis. Group. Wait, they've got but, Mark but II the Mark Yetis. But the Mark II Yetis don't appear in The Abominable Snowmen. Right, so they've got to do Mark I Yetis, but they... No, there is probably... a Mark I Yeti in this. There is? Isn't there a Mark I Yeti at the beginning? The one that he's shooting the pyramids with? Oh, no, hang on, that's in the live act. Sorry, yeah, that's in the live yeah. act. Yeah. Oh. That's in the live action, yeah. <laughs> they didn't animate that. All right, well, forget that. They've got Jack Travers, <laughs> all right? It, let, let me hang to, on yeah. to my dream. <laughs> I'm sure it's an easy modification in the 3D model of a Mark II to a Mark I, but still, it's just, yeah. And they, and I, they have I, the experience. I, they know how to make Yetis now, so, you know. Yes, got, got and they'll be... have heard all the people on the internet saying, uh, don't make Victoria walk like a hundred-year-old woman uh, when she, she shambles out of a room. <laughs> I, 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 I do, I, I think the way I, it's interesting the criticisms that you picked up on, because again, they're mostly things that I agree were not as good as they might have been, like the motion of people walking in general, I didn't have a problem with, but you mentioned Jamie, there's the scene with Evans in the tunnel where he walks in a very slow yeah. way, which is obviously for a reason, because there's Evans line about, you know, why are you hanging around or whatever he says, but at the same time, it's way out of character for him to be moving I that thought slowly. The, the the scene where so and it's a it is thinking about the animation, it's kind of a three quarter scene where Evans is walking in front of Jamie down a tunnel and Jamie is hunched over like a hunchback, and I thought, now, did they not realize that the tunnel is tall enough that Jamie doesn't have to bend over? Or <laughs> yeah. alternatively, because of the way he was kind of shuffling I thought, or alternatively, I don't remember because I didn't get a chance to watch one and two. Was Jamie wounded and limping? Because he kind of looks like he's wounded. No. In that scene. So I I, I didn't no, no, remember no. that. It, it, but it, I'm it, looking it, at that going, he looks hurt and he looks hunched over. And he also looks hunched over when they all shuffle out of the room in the same scene where Victoria just 
just looks like she should be in a walker. Yeah, no, um, it, 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 it's, it's odd motion, but if, if, if yeah, yeah. If we're, well, if, we're, if we're picking, if we're, if we're picking kind of tiny holes, I would also point to the fact that Victoria's ponytail just sort of appears to <laughs> suspend itself in midair. I mean, most of the time it's on her back, but when her head moves, it moves in, it's locked, it's locked into the movement of her head. And they, they need more resolution on their motion capture. Well, it, I don't. I mean, I don't think there the, was a ponytail captured, and it obviously needs gravity to work. It, you know, in it fairness, all they've done with all of the characters is not animate their hair. I don't. Yeah. Hair is not the thing that's on my list to be animated. Um, as long as something doesn't distract me, <laughs> I don't really care. And on fairness, it wasn't until second viewing that I noticed what was going on with Victoria's ponytail. But yeah, these are these are. <laughs> These are nitpicks. See, I, I, I found the episode very, very easy to watch, and you know, I, I just think yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that's a real like I said, delight. Let's 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 do it. Do it's more fine. Get the yeti out. I'm I'm a hundred percent on board. Let these guys have a shot at a at a full full ish cereal. I'm I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, I hope whoever does Troughton's motion capture studies the hell out of the existing footage of him to try to to achieve a little bit of parody with it but um you know that's that'd be fine i'm gonna i'm gonna call it here for time since this has got to be a short episode has to be a short episode cannot go an hour (laughs) (laughs) but uh coming soon evil of the daleks not by these people yes no yes right but yeah by the the uh same people who did power of the daleks and uh Faceless ones and so that's real soon. That's September, right? Uh, Yep, yep, that's coming very soon. I I take your point about the time. I just I have to ask you one last question that is a tangent, Um, but I'm just I'm really curious because when we get a reconstruction, when we get an animation of episode three of the Web of Fear, and when we last talked about it, we discussed the fact that it is probably an extant episode, but one which mm-hmm. we don't have access to. And yep. y- y- your view five years ago was we will get it back in time. Um, but we partly discussed the fact that the choice had not had been made to release it without an animation back then. Yeah. And I'm wondering whether whether you think it's, is that still your view? Are we still going to get it back? Because now they've obviously decided they will animate it. Uh, I, well, so it goes a couple ways. Uh, my initial thought, and I did think of that when I was listening to the podcast today, is does this mean that the BBC has given up hope? I don't know, but I mean, enough years have gone by that, you know, it, it may be a long time before the evil, evil, evil person who stole that episode dies and their will turns it back over to the BBC or their heirs or whatever. Uh, or they burn it so that the evidence is gone. Um, so I would have said, yes, I think that might mean that the BBC has given up hope. On the other hand, how many other stories do we have that have only one missing episode left that haven't been animated? It's it's none, right? True, but then it's that, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's because not been a priority if, to them to do serials that they don't animate the whole lot for so it is it's a slightly but, but different approach here's my thought if this is if this is a proving ground 
if this is, hey, we've got this new animation technique, maybe this will get the job done. And if, as you say, this is a very good example of there's this and then there's the Abominable Snowman, which is the next natural logical follow-on, if this is a proving ground, then I can see how they might have just said, we kill two birds with one stone. We've got we only have to do one episode. We see how it goes. If we don't like it, we don't do Abominable Snowman. If we do like it, that's let's go. So I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm still hopeful that the real one comes back. And if it does, this animation can go bye bye, from in my mind. <laughs> and uh, you know, it'll be an interesting curiosity to put as the bonus features on the sixth release of Web of Fear on exactly. Mega Blu-ray, exactly, <laughs> or whatever format. Follows next. On the bonus 4K. features forever. Yeah, it, it will always be on the bonus features forever. Although maybe not, because they might have to pay for that, and they might not want to do that. Royalties or something. But, <laughs> anyway. Uh, with that, release more, buy it, people. <laughs> uh, yep. Thank you for joining me on this impromptu and short episode. Short, short bonus episode, Simon. Well, it's a pleasure as always, and sorry for not being short. <laughs> and listeners, I hope you'll join us all again on the next episode of Fusion Patrol. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. There are over 500 previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on Twitter, our website, or Facebook. Find out how you can become a supporter at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Supporters get early access to all regular episodes, bonus episodes, and more. There's even an optional podcast series where we're looking at the classic TV series Babylon 5. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.